0: On the tee, the Knackered Golfist. Four, please. The Knackered Golfist, now driving. You are listening live to the Knackered Golfist Podcast. The Knackered Golfist Podcast. Alright, welcome to the Knackered Golfist. Um, There's been a lot of stuff on my mind as it relates to what transpired last week at the U.S. Open. Um, I've been uh, taking in a bit of history lessons this week uh, with regard to watching old U.S. Opens on TV. And forgive me, but I'm going to sneeze. All right, so um, the U.S. Open last week at LACC was very, very disappointing. Um, I tried to buy into the fact, I tried to buy in that, yeah, it was a decent U.S. Open, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be very, it's not going to be very memorable at all. Um, just because, uh, I mean, there was it was great that uh, Wyndham Clark won, and I, I didn't really know who he was. And I didn't really, I don't even know if I've seen him before. I always get, I mean, I was mixing him up with other folks that I had seen before. Like uh, Webb Simpson or Will Zalatoris or even Kyle Stanley. I mean, they all kind of, they remind me of the same kind of thing. You know, it was, it was a very painstaking U.S. Open to watch, I mean, I did watch nine hours, eight or nine hours each day on Saturday and Sunday, and I found it to be, I found it to be, um, I just wanted it to be so, I wanted it to be so much more than it was, and it just, it kind of didn't really live up to what, uh, to what I was hopeful for, and I was just, uh, I've been trying to wrap my head around what I didn't like about it. And just the fact that um, not everybody being allowed to attend the, the tournament, that was really hard to take. And I, th- I would think that, I mean, I lived in Southern California for seven years, and I always thought that, you know, golf in Southern California was a really big deal. And so for, I mean, what I heard was, that the members were the ones that, I guess, bought up all the tickets and distributed them all the tickets between the members and their friends, and then it became a, a corporate outing kind of thing. And just the everyday run-of-the-mill golf fan wasn't allowed to visit LA Country Club to watch the US Open. And watching it on TV was really hard to take as well because the amount of fans that were sort of, um, kept at bay, uh, throughout the, uh, throughout the, uh, landscape or throughout the golf course was really difficult to see too, because they really kept the fans away from the golfers, um, as well. I mean, they kept them away from the greens for the most part, the tees, and, uh, it was really hard. It was really hard to take in. I mean, even on Sunday, uh, when Harris English teed off you know he hit his he hit a errant tee shot over in this pavilion or whatever and some uh, lady uh, picked up his ball it didn't have the sense to put it down right away and she didn't have she didn't have the sense to not even pick up the ball and so I thought it was really telling that the the folks that are at this tournament are sort of just there to be seen I guess and just to snap Instagram pics And post them that, hey, we're at the U.S. Open at LACC, you know. And a person that didn't really have a chance to go there, that wanted to be there, wasn't allowed to attend. And I I found that to be hard to take. And I'm worried that that is sort of a sign of things to come when it comes to major championships at at high-end country clubs like you know can you imagine them doing that at Tory Pines in 20 in 2021 i i can't imagine them doing that um just based on Tory Pines being a public golf course and if you're going to i mean i they only had 20,000 people there per day and uh i think the regular amount of people that attend a US Open or a majors championship in general whether it's i think augusta national has um is probably in a different league of its own, but I mean the PGA and the U.S. Open. You got to think that at least forty thousand people would be able to be there to visit the golf course to watch the tournament. You got to think at least that amount of people would be allowed in, but it just it just didn't happen. And so what happened as a result of that? You had all this stuff going on with uh, with the TV showing shots on TV. And then you saw what I call uh, human spectator peninsulas that were areas that were that were roped off from people not able to uh, get close or not able to completely see the, the whole entire hole. I think the 13th hole, which was, I guess, on the north side of or the north sort of the northwest portion of the north uh, golf course at LACC that whole area was fenced off to everybody nobody could go down and be at the green when things was going on I mean I remember seeing Ricky Fowler uh he he sank a 70 uh, foot putt on Saturday and nobody applauded nobody clapped nobody gave any kind of you know any kind of acknowledgement that he that he made a putt other than it was Ricky raising his hand. You know, there were moments also where guys made a really good shot on a hole or something and nobody clapped. And so that's really, um, that's a real telltale sign that things aren't really going that well. I mean, it is Thursday of the week after the U.S. Open and I just saw a little bit of the first round of the Travelers or the Greater Hartford Open. On, uh, on the on YouTube and just the amount of fans that are there at that golf course is completely off the charts to what it was last week. You know the, the, just for a regular, I mean that's a upper echelon, what they call a designated event this week. it's actually called the Travelers Championship, but I, I call it the Greater Hartford Open because that's what it was. That's what it's always been. I think it was the Sammy Davis Jr. Greater Hartford Open back in the early 80s, but it's been in the Northeast this time of year, every year, for decades. And so it's a uh, it's a really um, eye-opening thing to watch when you see the tournament that happens the week after the U.S. Open actually has more fans in attendance and actually showing actually showing a lot uh, of of uh, what's going on and they're appreciative of it they're cheering they're yelling they're they're uh acknowledging great shots i mean it's like the people that are at this tournament this week have a, a lot more golf knowledge than they did last week and that really that really really is troubling because you know Maybe it's true. Maybe it's true that the people that went last week don't really know or don't really care about the golf. It's just an outing for them. And they just like, "Oh, well hey, I'm at LACC, I'm at the US Open. Let's post some pictures on Instagram." And uh so I'm 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 a bit riled up about that. I'm a bit angry that uh folks that wanted to attend the US Open weren't allowed to do so. And I think that really says volumes about where the state of our game is, I mean, it, was it on purpose? I, I guess it was. I've been hearing that. Uh, I've been hearing that. Just the uh, the the availability of tickets was not was not it just wasn't available for people. I don't know anybody that actually went to the event. I mean, I did buy a hat on the online online uh, uh, website, and there wasn't a lot of selection. I don't know if everything got bought up at the first of the week, but there was a lot more. Um, there wasn't a lot to be offered on that website. I mean, there was a this white hat that I got with uh, with trophy symbols on it that I got, and I got a uh, a U.S. Open California looking license plate that was that helped me get free shipping. So, other than that, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can't really say anything about the golf other than it was great to see Ricky Fowler do well uh, for the first three days. You know, he did shoot sixty-two with Xander Shoffley, who, by the way, won. I think he's won a few, he he won. I think he won the Travelers last year before he won the Scottish Open the week before the uh, be- the week before the Open at uh, St Andrews. But um, you know. It was, I'm not, I'm not really a Xander fan, but I, I really did enjoy seeing Ricky do well. And I really wanted him to do well. I, I wanted Ricky – I wanted Rory McIlroy to win. I wanted Scottie Scheffler to win. Um, I, I wanted Harris English to do well, but he sort of faltered after the first hole. Uh, so, anyway, it, it was like – the golf course was unlike any golf course I'd ever seen before. You know, it's it's the first time I saw LACC on, on TV – there was long par threes. There was long par fours. The um, the uh, camera were... I mean, No Laying Up was talking about how everything was from a tower as far as cameras go. The... Um, the uh, You didn't really get a sense of how severe the greens were. Um, so, I don't know. That's not... I, mean, I don't know. That's, that's just... That's on them. They're always complaining about NBC. And then they had this airplane flying around the whole time and it's like, I noticed that airplane when they were doing the events in Florida with NBC and it's like, is that the NBC plane now? I mean, when did we go from having a blimp cover a golf tournament provide the the above ground shots the above ground camera work at a, at a golf tournament when did we go from the blimp to an airplane? Can somebody answer that for me? Is, there, is, is it too much money to have a blimp cover your golf tournament now? Do they have to have an airplane for all of these golf tournaments now going forward? I mean, how the heck did that happen? I mean, they certainly, I don't think, have a blimp in Britain for the British Open. I don't think. But, I mean, for years, the U.S. Open always used to have a blimp. It would always have the Goodyear blimp above it to provide... Um, above-ground camera shots of the tournament. And, and that that airplane was just awful. It was. It was just dreadful listening to that thing the whole time. And it, it was like I really, really wanted it to do well. I really wanted it to be a good golf tournament. And now I'm just thinking, you know, I always thought the Chambers Bay U.S. Open was the worst U.S. Open I'd ever seen. But I think I have a feeling that that this comes a, at a close second. I mean, I think the fans make a golf tournament happen. The, golf, the fans make a golf tournament exciting. And the fans make the golf tournament worth watching. Because there's always a fan presence at every other golf tournament that happens throughout the year. And to, to not have as many fans as they do at other tournaments was sad and you didn't really know what was going on because c- you certainly didn't hear the roars from the other side of the golf course like you do at another major championship that happens in April you know somebody makes a eagle putt on a hole or something or a birdie and everybody goes crazy and nobody does that anymore nobody di- well nobody did that at this last tournament that was at the US Open and so that is, I mean, gosh, that sucks. That really sucks. And I, I really, uh, it's like, man, there's so many people that would have wanted to go to that tournament, and they were denied. They weren't allowed to go. And it really is like, man, do you really have to wonder if even you're going to be able to go to any of these big tournaments? Like, you know, what's the next one? I mean, I wish they really, I really wish they would have more major championships at the Olympic Club. I mean, sure, LACC's never had anything like that before at their course, other than like a Walker Cup. But I mean, as far as a U.S. Open venue goes, you know, Pebble Beach, I was watching Pebble Beach twice this week, both uh, the 1982 U.S. Open when, when Tom Watson won, and also the 1992 US Open when Tom kite won and those were such great tournaments and 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 the course was so um, it was just so uh, oh man it was it was more weather than anything else the weather really made the golf tournament especially in 92 and in 82 it was all overcast but I mean it was a go- it was a simple looking golf simpler looking golf course back in 82. But you had different, you had older golf equipment and you had sort of newer but yet older golf equipment in 92. But the greens, the greens were still Poanya and they still were rolling a bit bumpy and choppy. But it was still, it was still worth watching just based on the drama, just based on the, uh, what the weather was doing. And, and, and another thing about this course is that they waited, they waited until the week of the tournament to not really have the golf course ready to be ready for the U.S. Open. I mean, two guys shot 62 on Thursday, and the rest was history. You know, the rest was, you know, the the, the winning score of the tournament was 10 under par. I mean, why the heck is 10 under par a winning score at the U.S. Open? A winning score at the U.S. Open should be one over par, the way it was at the Olympic Club in 2012 when Webb Simpson won. I'm really, I mean, I, I really wish the majors would just go back to being majors and not being caricatures caricatures of themselves. Uh, I just wish that would happen. Um, I just like it's like 10 under par. I mean, sure that guy deserved it. Kyle, Kyle, uh, no, Wyndham Clark. The guy deserved it. He played He played his lights out there playing that golf tournament. But I really think that a true U.S. Open is going to be at least, at least one over par. I mean, the Olympic Club, the last event they had there at the Olympic Club, it was one over par. And, and you know, you have the massacre at Wingfoot that happened in 74. That was eight over par was the winning score on that. You know, I'm sure I, I know that there is advancements in technology, and I know that the ball goes way too far. There's only so much you can do. They didn't have as much rough in this uh, U.S. Open as they've had before. But somehow, some way, these other legendary golf courses are able to have good enough U.S. opens where the, the, the winner is a true winner, and it's not somebody that hits the ball the farthest. You know, I mean, I mean, I really want it. I mean, Rory McElroy was driving it really well and that uh, Wyndham Clark was hitting these fades. And I heard Paul Azinger say, you know, the player that wins the U.S. Open has to be a fader. You know, I heard him say that 25 or 30 times. And uh, there's also, I mean, I don't really criticize Paul Azinger for being, for being, uh, you know not being able to call shots the way he sees them i mean that shot that Wyndham Clark hit on 9 in the final round where the ball sort of got on top of the hill and he didn't expect it to roll down to the green or sorry roll down to the hole but it did you can't fault that guy i don't know that, that, that i don't know it it's maybe he was watching a different screen i mean i don't know it's not it's it seems to be it seems to be a bit um too detailed of a of a of a flaw for a for a for a golf analyst to make that mistake on. I don't know, you know. Azinger won the PGA in 1993. He had cancer. He was a Ryder Cup captain. He was. I mean, I saw him hit. I saw him in uh, San Diego once, and he hit the snot out of the ball with those Callaway uh, Great Big Bertha drivers, and you really heard the ball come off the face when he hit one. So I thought he was a great player. He won the uh, 1992 Tour Championship at Pinehurst with a what's called the "thing" putter, and that was the putter that that looked like it had a, a, a football on the end of a shaft. And he won a he won the he won the tournament at Pinehurst with that. And uh, I was I was like Paul Azinger, and um, you know him and Payne. St- oh, he won the Memorial in '93. He holed out from the bunker to beat Payne Stewart. That was such a memorable shot. Um, that I'll always remember, but many people don't know what that is. I don't know if people know about that shot or not. But anyway, you know, I miss Gary Koch I miss Roger Maltby. I'm glad Nota Begay is uh, the lead sort of on course reporter now, and this guy Smiley Kaufman. I think he's cool. I guess I really enjoyed the. Uh, I really enjoyed having Brad Faxon on the del- on the telecast. He offered really good insight. Because he's such a great putter, and what what I'd love to figure out, what I'd love to know, is like why so many of these tour players are playing these mallet putters now, and not not many of them are using the uh, the the quote answer style putter. And and when they do use that answer style putter, they're using the Scottie Cameron version answer style putter. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood did shoot sixty three on Sunday, and he used a version of a putter. He used an Odyssey putter with a white insert, and that was sort of, sort of like an homage to the uh, to the uh, to the milled carbon face putter that was from the early '90s. But it just had an insert in it. But he he had a great round on Sunday, shooting 63. So, you know, I really, you know, Tommy Fleetwood's got a great swing. I really hope he wins one of these days. You know, he you could you could call him a favorite for Hoylake in July. Him and Rory could be favorites to win in July, but um, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool if he won. But anyway, I, I can't think of anything else. I mean, the 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 little area where nobody was admitted at uh, uh, thirteen and fourteen. I called that Playboy Mansion Corner. Um, they had all these cameras on the tee at fourteen and nobody nobody was allowed to see actually what was going on down there. No fans were allowed. I just I just can't stand the fact that fans weren't allowed to roam the way a normal golf tournament would happen and just let everybody go wherever they want and just not and just not limit them to wherever they were going. But it's like there's that in addition to not allowing anybody access to the tournament that wanted to be there. That really that's sad, and that that's that's a bit that makes me a bit pissed off with that stuff. So, anyway, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm I'm I wish the you know, I, I put so much effort. It's like I had so much time invested in watching all the follow through or what do you call it the playing through things with the uh, with the NBC coverage, and they had all these commercials going on. I just was like, man, I, I really. You know, the hour that they had in the final round where it was brought to you by Rolex for the uh, the last hour to be commercial free. I thought that was it was okay. You know, it was good. I, I got really into it. You know, I was excited to watch because I always I wasn't rooting for Wyndham Clark, I was rooting for Rory McElroy and then Scotty Scheffler. <clears throat> that guy's a magician with irons. You know, every shot that he hits is different. Every single shot that Scotty Scheffler hits is different. I really love watching him play. He's got such great footwork. He's got such rhythmical timing that I love watching. And it almost, it almost looks like he takes the club back on a different sort of swing plane. It's almost like an out and then in kind of a swing plane. I just love watching Scotty uh, hit balls. I would love to watch him hit balls on the range. Um, just a magician. Every shot's different. You know he's hitting a fade He's hitting a cut He's doing everything different And he hits the snot out of that ball With that driver And he had and he had issues with his driver I guess again You know the tailor made thing was he, he I guess the face collapsed And he had it He sort of threw it out of his hands And he put in Put the backup one in his bag And um, that sort of thing You know another question That just came to me Was where did the people park who got to go to the tournament? Where did they park? Did they park at, like, Rancho Park Golf Course, and they got shuttled from that golf course to LACC? Or did they use the South Golf Course as, like, a parking lot for everybody during the tournament? I don't know. That'd be interesting. That logistic stuff is really interesting because I was looking at the maps, and they only had this section of Sunset Boulevard sort of in red because it was always backed up with traffic you know, after the, after the tournament. So they had to have closed a bunch of streets, a bunch of those local streets in that neighborhood for people to... I mean, it, you got to think that it's a gated community anyway. So anyway, I don't know. I, I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed, but I, I, I kind of don't think it's as bad as the Chambers Bay US Open because you had a combination of several things. You had bad... Uh, television production with Fox Sports, you had, it was actually a Lynx-style golf course that was, that was, that was, that was was breaking people's ankles that were walking up and down those hills, and they weren't a lot, and, and, and then you had the setup of the golf course where you would hit a shot from the fairway, you'd hit, you know, the ball would land like four feet from the hole, and then it would roll off the green. Like, uh, like what, you know, like what a bunch of guys did back then. You know, there was a lot of comments on the greens. You know, the 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 fescue uh, greens that they had at Chambers Bay was just was just dreadful, and they and the players were saying that the greens were dead. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not a I'm not a Chambers Bay fan at all. After that, I don't. I could care less what improvements that place has made, and I'm sorry that I feel that way and i'm sorry that i don't have that place in higher regard i don't like aaron hills i don't like uh other stuff well no i think aaron hills and chambers bay are golf courses that i don't really particularly care for um but as far as U.S. u.s open goes i think oakmont is the greatest um east coast u.s open venue and then i think i'm 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 dead set on this. You know, the Olympic Club, in my opinion, is the greatest West Coast U.S. Open venue by far. It beats Pebble Beach. It beats it certainly beats LACC, and it certainly beats Torrey Pines. And it beats Chambers Bay by a long shot. So I really wish that the USGA would go back to the Olympic Club, but it's not. It's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. In my lifetime, you know, the next event that the Olympic club has might be a PGA that happens, I think, in 2027. And then they're going to have like a Ryder Cup there, I think, in 2032 or something. So I'm I'll hopefully be able to be there, God willing, and see it. And uh, I just I just hope it turns out well. And I, you know, may. Oh, man, to go to the Olympic club in August no, they don't do that anymore. They have the PGA in May, so we'll see. We'll see how that all pans out. So overall, I think I'm I'm really disappointed about the U.S. Open, and I've heard um, a lot of people talk about how they view the U.S. Open. I think it's I think it was uh, I, I I didn't really care for it on on just just the people level. You know, people weren't allowed to attend, and it's not right. It's not right. Golf is supposed to bring people in, not push people away. So I think that's – and that's all I have to say about that. So my latest Snacker Golfers video that's on the YouTube is from the 1982 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And it is Jack Nicklaus teeing off the fifth hole and the ball landing about, I don't know, 4 or 5 feet away from the cup and he made a birdie for birdie he made a putt for birdie on that hole and i found it to be fascinating cuz one thing that i really noticed about that about that video is that it's just jack nicklaus the way he was able to keep his head so still is just fascinating it's just amazing how that happened you also got to see calvin peet who for years was a very very famous and very very consistent driver of the golf ball he was, playing, uh, he was playing his final round with Jack Nicholas, and he hit a shot that he hit a bit thin, but it was great to see Calvin Pete hit a shot close up. And I did slow mo shots, and I did sort of still shots when they got up to the top of their swing. So check it out. Check it out. I think it's cool. And then the fifth hole, the way it was in 82 and for the 1992 US Open, it is gone. I think a house is on that piece of land. Now, and right now, you know, it's been for 20 years, you know, they they built the new fifth hole for the, tw- the 2000 U.S. Open when Tiger won, so it's, it's it has its permanent residence now on the coast, just like many of the other holes there at Pebble Beach, so it was cool to see that, and it was cool to see the ocean, and, uh, you know, but, but, as far as LACC goes, I am a grounds person by heart. And I know the amount of effort that that crew put into preparing that golf course. Um, I just wish the USGA would have allowed the crew to make it a bit firmer and not really rely on the sun and the wind to sort of make it as dry and as um, uh, firm as it was. You know, it should have been more firm on Thursday, but they it actually got till Saturday when the golf course got its firmest and i think they did water the greens uh saturday night and i do think that the uh greens were a bit slower on sunday when they shouldn't have been they should have been extremely difficult and they you know the course the staff should have been allowed to prepare it as difficult as possible for sunday because that's what a u.s open is and also i can't I can't not mention this because Johnny Miller was also honored with the Bobby Jones Award earlier in the week. And to see him again and to hear his voice talk about uh, memories of Oakmont in 73 and what he meant to the broadcast, the golf broadcast medium back when he was doing that during his tenure was, was great. So I guess he's the only... Uh, analyst that had constant hit, it, the mic was always on when he was on and he uh, he always had a chance to say something and it and it was compelling every time he said it so it was great to see johnny again so um yeah so there so there is also a gentleman on the forge golf club appreciation page that took the time and the effort to acquire and restore and refurbish the customs uh, McGregor irons that Johnny Miller used. He, he got replica versions of them. It, it's not the actual irons, but he got replica versions of the irons and also the woods that he used. And he also had a bullseye putter and also the bag. And so he really made a big deal about uh, preparing or actually refurbishing those clubs for, I don't know really what he did it for, but it was great to see that somebody actually took the time and the effort to restore those clubs to, uh, to have Johnny's name on them So it was really awesome to see that I did, I did see Johnny Miller in person once And I think it was In 1994 I think it was a, just a couple months After he won his last tournament It was the 1994 at and Pebble Beach National Pro-Am He actually won that And he actually came to Sacramento National To do a clinic during their golf expo In late April and I saw him uh, giving clinics out there, and he signed a ball for me, and it was great to see him. And and the thing about Johnny Miller is that he has this thing that he calls the brushing technique, where um, it's just his ability. It's just his ability to um, actually, you know, uh, what do you call it? Just just he wants. Gosh, how do you describe the brushing? It was like a technique that he developed when he was trying to when he was when he was honing the skill of chipping the ball but he it actually turned into an actual part of the swing where he would be able to take the club back and actually be so good and so proficient at having just stopping the face before he hit the ball and just the the ability to know where the club face is at impact he was able to, brush the grass and and not take as much turf behind the ball that otherwise other somebody else would have just based on his skill i mean his skill set was being able to know where that club face is at, at any time before during and after impact with the ball it was just unbelievable the way he did that so he was a great iron player he was a great putter had a great short game um Really good golf player all around, and he, and he's a legend. Johnny Miller's a legend. So anyway, um, I think that's all I have to say about the U.S. Open. I'm a little disappointed. I'm waiting for the hat that I bought. Um, I I just wonder if, you know, I got a thing where I did go to the 2012 U.S. Open at the Olympic Club, and I, and I got this U.S. Open hat that has the Olympic Club name on it, and I and I would wear that around, and I actually saw somebody with the same hat on, and I said, hey, nice hat. And they sort of got scared and sort of looked away and sort of went away, and, you know, I, I saw, it's almost like I, I sort of scared this person. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't my – I wasn't being, like, weird or anything, but just, like, golfers are a bit different. You know, they're sort of into themselves, and they don't really want to – they don't really want to socialize with anybody. It's like, come on! I see your hat because I'm wearing the same hat. Can you just, can you just see that for once? Just trying to, just trying to be a little friendly. So I don't know. Hey, nice hat. Nice ball. Anyway. All right, folks. I can't think of anything else other than I'm disappointed at the U.S. Open. I hope the travelers goes well this week, and I hope uh, the Hoylake. royal liverpool uh open championship goes well and looking forward to that looking forward to that so anyway thank you for listening to the knackered golfist podcast thank you for appreciating the golf course that you are playing thank you for appreciating the putting green that you're playing on thank you for appreciating the surfaces that the golf course superintendent provides for you to practice on and to play on on a regular basis and thank a veteran today because if it wasn't for a veteran, I wouldn't be free. Um, thank you so much. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. And this is the Knackered Golfist Radio Network. On the tee, the Knackered Golfist. Four, please. The Knackered Golfist. Now driving. You are listening live to the Knackered Golfers Podcast. The Knackered Golfers Podcast, and they weren't a lot. And, and and then you had the setup of the golf course where you would hit a shot from the fairway. You'd hit, you know, the ball would land like four feet from the hole, and then it would roll off the green. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. This is the Knackered Golfist Radio Network.